I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. So I'm really so excited about this episode because it's the second episode and they say that good things come in twos. I really appreciate everyone that contributed feedback and commented on and shared the last episode because this experience really just means so much to me in cultivating my voice, as I said last time. But because I'm not here to give a Grammy acceptance speech, let's get right into these questions because I know that's what you're here for. So the first question comes from Esther O, who says, Dear Viv, how does one form meaningful friendships in adulthood, particularly in metropolitan cities filled with quote-unquote networking events every day of the week and individuals who elevate clout and credentials over character? This is an interesting question because I live in New York City and I think that this was a question that I've asked myself a lot in the last three or four years that I've lived here. But I think that you attract what you put out into the world especially when it comes to friendships and even though a lot of people don't want to admit that they want cool friends or they also are looking for clout they're also looking for fame through other people they all in all you know in your heart that that is your true intentions and you will attract those kind of people and those friendships will suck they always do because you can't build meaningful friendships off of networking or brand valuations of people you have to look for character and often you're just going to attract character that's reflective of you. I've met so many people that are so popular or so famous, whether it's the internet or real life, and they don't like me and I don't like them. And it's almost instantly obvious that we're not going to mesh at all. I think in a way that if you're truly a genuine person, people that are disingenuous will know that you can see through them. A lot of people are so see-through, especially in the city. And I find that I often make people feel very uncomfortable upon our first introduction and I can think of several instances off the top of my head in which this has occurred and I won't name names and I won't even really go into examples but I can truly think of some really heated dinners that I've made people really uncomfortable because it's very obvious that they're putting on a performance and you walk into a space to just experience people and experiencing art and you're not always putting on a performance, then people can see that and you'll weed out people very easily. Oh look, this next question is also about New York. Dear Viv, how have you balanced living a fulfilling life with having to hustle to survive, aka make money? For me, living in New York as a freelance writer with no connections, no big online following, and average writing skills as a woman of color has been tough. Out here I'm growing, but I'm struggling. I can completely relate to this. But I have to be completely transparent. The only real times that I've super, super struggled in New York City to maintain is in the summertime because I go to Columbia University. I have a complete full ride. It's an Ivy League school. It's a quarter of a million dollar tuition. They pay every dime of it and they pay for my housing. But as far as the New York City grind, as in like grinding to pay $800 worth of rent to live with five other people, I've never experienced it and I don't really endorse it. I'm graduating in May and I'm going to be leaving New York City. I think it comes to a point where I had to realistically ask myself, is this city worth the struggle that it causes? And what was it really selling versus what was it giving me? I mean, you say that you're a writer and I'm a writer too, but even at top places like the New York Times, like they weren't really paying me shit when I wrote for them. In fact, the first year I wrote for them, they didn't pay me at all. And it was them who asked me to write. And so the thing is, is that this is a city where most people are selling free labor 
a lot of the people that are living these lavish lifestyles are bankrolled by their parents and not showing it or they grew up here and so their rent is what it is and so honestly I think you have to ask yourself is New York City necessary for me becoming the person I have to be I know that a lot of us 20 somethings that move here we have visions of grandeur you know my mother who came of age in New York City she moved here at 25 um, and she made her way here with her best friend and you know sex in the city all of these other sorts of places that put in your head that this is a city that you come of age in as a woman or you come of age in as an artist and this is not the same city this city is really a shopping mall for rich people a playground it's a fake European city the artist scene is not what it used to be. It's all about connections, all about clout. Nobody's really making anything genuine. And I don't really think that as an artist, it's intellectually or artistically responsible for me to tell people that it's reasonable to live in New York for the prices that they charge because I can't really say for what. What is it about your art that needs to thrive and maintain in the city? Even James Baldwin, who grew up in Harlem, moved away from New York City for the same exact sort of toxic reasons at the age of 23 and so I just want people to have a realistic dialogue with themselves it's like do you need to do your work in the city where are you from why are you struggling for it and if you can't answer these questions then I truly encourage you to move and I know it sounds like oh my god you're telling me to move I'm like yeah move move away there are cities where you can realistically live with dignity as a human being you can live by yourself at the age of 23 you can have a two-bedroom apartment you can write as much as you want remotely on the internet you can have a realistic following people will talk to you when you go to your coffee shop you know your neighbors and it's a life worth living People don't even really dance here when you go to the club. I can't really understand what New York City is selling besides um, a vision to outsiders. And if you're an insider who's actually living here, then you understand that it's not what people think it is. And so with that being said, I would really encourage you to look other places if you're just hitting a wall every time you venture out into this city. It's like if you can't make ends meet, if you can't get a job, if you can't do what you love, is it really worth it? Are the friends here that great? Is this club scene that popping? Like, I doubt it. I really doubt it. Okay, well, let's move on to something lighter. Dear Viv, who are your favorite actors and actresses? What makes them so compelling to watch on screen? Mm, that's hard for me. I watch a lot of movies, but there's so little consistency between the actors, the genre, and even the countries that they come from. I love Denzel Washington. I think that I'm such a typical black woman in the sense that I love Denzel Washington. Like, Denzel Washington is, is so talented and so attractive. I think that good actors are people who just elicit a lot of empathy with the characters that they're in and that they're playing. I love Robert De Niro. I love Al Pacino. Like, Italian-American actors really brought something to Hollywood that nobody else brought to Hollywood. I'd really argue that. I would say that the thing that makes an actor compelling to watch is when you can see them becoming a person on screen, meaning that they're not fully aware of who they are, just like real people, and they start to learn things about themselves, like the dark things that they're capable of or the love that they're capable of as the movie goes on, and they are revealed through time. Because the thing is, is that when you read a script, it's very easy to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to embody this character. But that's not believable when you just can get on a screen and embody a character. Like anybody can say, okay, now I'm going to do clown. Now I'm going to do waitress. 
but it's much more difficult to say how do I become this person over time because that's actually how humans are we become ourselves over time and we are revealed to ourselves over time so I think when that resonates on screen that's when you have a truly compelling actor and again Denzel Washington is so fine so talented (sighs) dear Viv what would you classify your political beliefs as We have the same ideological beliefs, but I hesitate to classify myself as a communist or a Marxist, and I am unsure how to navigate this when people ask me other than saying that I'm a leftist, which comes with its own assumptions. Okay, well, if you're saying that you and I have the same ideological beliefs, then I'm going to assume that you're a black woman, or I'm going to at least assume that you're a woman of color in some way. And in that, I would say there's not an apt um, word or identity for our political being because at any point we're being shunned or left out of political conversations in an important way and even feminism does not really encapture black womanhood in any given way because it doesn't encapture a lack of innocence or an invisibility that's kind of inherent to the way that we live our lives and so I would say that it's much more important to know what your lived political beliefs are Who do you give money to? What do you refuse to do politically? Which protests do you show up to? Which organizers are you backing or are you organizing yourself? I mean, these are questions that really matter in a material world. The thing is, is that people will throw around labels for themselves because they know that it is socially beneficial to have a politic now. It doesn't actually matter if you practice it. It's socially beneficial to call yourself a feminist, no matter if you're serving misogyny or not. It's socially beneficial to live um, in this liberal way because then you can serve as capitalism and do it in a way that's self-apologetic. And so I would say know your politics as they are lived not as you claim them to be because it's very easy to call yourself something it's very difficult to call yourself nothing at all and then live in a way that is consistent with a righteous and dignified politics i would say that i am far left i do believe in a radical politic i'm police abolitionist prison abolitionist but i wouldn't say that i could call myself a communist because i've read the Communist Manifesto, I've read Lenin, I've read Mao, and it's not something that I'm really getting down with, because again, it doesn't account for race in the necessary ways that it should. I would say, sure, I have a socialist politic, which one could say is just on the road to communism, but I would also say that the Democratic Socialists of America are an extremely corrupt group of people, and so in these ways I'm saying as a black woman you're going to have to reconcile with being black, having a politic that maybe nobody will understand, and just knowing that you're living that. Just live that. Dear Viv, I've never felt so empty and depressed in my life and I've had a rough life. I'm not sure what's up. I think I'm weak. I'm so sensitive and everything hurts. I'm not sure what to do anymore. I don't have much of anybody and I don't know anything and I don't want to stay this way but I'm so lost. I'm sorry to unload this on you, but I desperately need help or advice, encouragement or something. Listen, you're saying, I don't have anybody, I don't know anything, and I'm so lost. I would say the first thing that you need to do is you need to ask yourselves, do you really believe these things about yourself? I mean, the thing is, honestly, that when we get very low in our lives, we've had times that are so low, we start to create these narratives that are comforting. We start to say, I have no one. I have nothing, I've never been anything, I'm unintelligent, I'm unattractive, all of these things, 
And we think, oh, this is the truth, but it's not really the truth. It's not an objective truth. It's just a narrative, a story that you tell yourself about yourself, that you comfort yourself with so that you get caught in a complacency and you don't actually seek to change your life in any way. You just seek to keep confirming the narrative. So I would say, do you really believe that you're nothing? Do you really believe that you're so lost that you can't find your way home? I don't think so. I would say that you have to change this narrative. You have to completely delete that narrative and you have to say, you know what? Life is still happening. Maybe it's not going my way right now, but I can remember times when it was only going my way and it'll be that way again. I think that you have to abandon this idea that life has been hard and it's always going to be hard. I've had a hard life too, but that's not something that I wear as an identity or I say as a part of my personality because the thing is is that I have a good life and my life is always getting better and when I looked at the trajectory of my of my life it's always gotten better and so that's the things that I tell myself about myself and then secondary to that I would say you need to have more faith the thing is is that when you believe that things can happen for yourself you're already halfway there and I would say that honestly my life is more a product of faith than it is talent hard work, beauty, or anything else. Faithful people are always rewarded because there's just so few of us left in the world. So I don't know how to tell you, you know what, get up, get your shit together, and keep going. But that's really what I'm saying. I'm saying that, yes, it's going to be hard. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Easy lives are for regular people. Let's just be quite honest. So you're going to have to keep going because you have to keep going. But you're endowed with a natural sense of dignity and nobody can take that away from you unless you so choose to relinquish it. This is something that I always, always say. And it seems now that you're choosing to relinquish it, but you just don't have to. Dear Viv, so I just found out this nigga never really loved me and only wants to be friends. He's been draining me for some time now, but it was a shock to find out I had been draining him as well. I don't think I love myself enough to walk away because I'm really not much without him. I'm not sure when I became this woman. This is really one of my worst nightmares. Let me just start by saying I've been there. At 19, I was you. (laughs) I really was you. I would say, oh, this guy really is not shit. And he doesn't really think I'm that great either, as great as I am. And we're just constantly draining each other's energy. And this is another thing I would say about narratives. Like We create narratives about our partners as well. You're saying here that you can't live without him. But you're also saying that he drained you. And so the thing is, is that you're in a parasitic relationship, but you want to stay in it. And you're saying that it's because you can't live without him, but it's more likely because you don't want to see him with somebody else. And that's when yourself comes in. The thing about it is, is that men aren't good for much, but the people that we choose as romantic partners are usually a good indication of how seriously we take ourselves and what kind of love that we think that we're deserving of because that's the only kind that we'll ever accept and so I would say that you need to walk away and not because you love him or don't love him but because you have some serious work to do learning what love is and what love is not is the most critical journey of any young woman's life of any young person's life period and you have to start that journey and you're going to have to do it by yourself and I'm sorry to say that and it's going to be hard you've built this monument of him in your head like he's basically a god to you you're saying you know i'm nothing without him but the thing is is that he's probably just a regular ass nigga i mean that's really honestly something that you probably don't want to tell yourself um one of my favorite poems is by dana gilmore and in it she says i couldn't shake him he was like a bad habit and all this for a nigga who was just average doing average nigga shit 
And I think it's just so apt because it really encompasses the fact that we fall over ourselves and do so much self-mutilation for men who are honestly just average. And you may be just average too, but the thing is is that you're deserving of more, more self-love of just better and you need to do better and you need to seek better and he needs to seek better too and the thing is I tell you this was me and I gave it a year and I genuinely couldn't even tell you his last name now without thinking twice about it we make these huge spaces for men we put so much on it and we tell them that we don't know who we were before them and we don't know who we would be without them but realistically I was with this guy when I was 19 years old we only dated for seven months which means I survived nearly 20 years without him and these years after I've survived without him too and he hasn't called and he hasn't even apologized and the one time that he did apologize it was inadequate because the thing is is that I realized that he's not God and when I took him off that pedestal and saw him for who he was he was just a man and I was just a woman and we both had to make do with who we were but not together Dear Viv, I know I shouldn't care about the opinions of others or being liked by them, but it's a feeling I can't shake. I used to get teased of how I looked growing up, so I had this paranoia that every time I walked by people that laughed, that they were laughing at me. I've always valued whoever would truly befriend a girl like me. Now, when some people compliment me look-wise, I just can't see it. So I've always wanted to be like, because I'm not used to it. I want approval and to fit in. How can I shake this? Listen, I totally understand what it's like to spend most of your adolescent life fading to the background and then all of a sudden being recognized through other people's eyes for a beauty that you probably have had the entire time. And this is one of those life instances that I would say falls under the category of you can't go over it, you have to go through it. I was also one of those people that once ascribed to other people's beauty standards. And sometimes you have to seek approval of others and wrap yourself in the beauty standards of other people in order to understand the sheer impossibility of basing your own self-perception on the perception of others. You have to do that. So you know what? Go seek those people. Go seek those likes. Seek the validation of strangers and you'll find that it's completely inadequate in creating your own beauty standard. The last episode I talked about how you have to create your own beauty standard. What it is that means internal and external beauty for you. You have to do that. But you can't do that without first going through the world and letting other people talk about you, letting other people judge you and create a standard for what is the best weight, the perfect ass, the best eyes, all of these things. I live in New York City. I pass a million eyes a day on the train, on the street, on the bus, in the store. And I'm sure all of these people have their judgments about me. There are people that are sexualizing me, people that are disgusted by me, people that think I'm thick, people that think I'm fat, people that think I'm overweight, underweight, that I have beautiful eyes, that my eyes are too big, that my hair is too long, that my hair is too short, that my nails are this, all of these things. And the thing is, at the end of the day, I have to stand in front of my mirror naked by myself. And I have to confront her no matter what those comments say or how many likes that I get, because I'm stuck with me and you're stuck with you. And the sooner that you realize that and stop trying to run out into the world and figure out what people are thinking of you and stop running from what you think of yourself, truly what you think of yourself. And I'm not just talking about beauty. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about the anxieties you have towards the person that you are, towards the way that your body has changed and your life has 
has changed until you stop running from that you're never going to feel comfortable and you're never going to feel beautiful because I always tell people that what you run from you run into and in this case that's yourself so confront that and the thing is you deserve to feel beautiful everybody deserves to feel beautiful and you deserve to walk down the street and be comfortable with who you are and not constantly be wondering what other people are thinking trust me you'll get there but you gotta go through it and the last question which i would definitely say is my favorite of the bunch for today dear viv is oj to juice man a national treasure or not yet um for those of you who don't know oj to juice man is the original east atlanta trap rapper and the best thing that ever happened to trap music he literally invented trap music i mean even before gucci Mane, like he put gucci Mane on and this is where all of your favorite rappers from the migos to lil b to anybody else get their entire sense of culture from and the thing is he was such a real nigga that he quit making music because he was making more money trapping and selling drugs and so he's he's truly a national treasure he's the pride of east atlanta he doesn't get nearly as much credit but usually pioneers of culture and iconoclasts rarely get the credit that they deserve but i'm giving a special shout out from the bottom of my heart to oj to juice man all my love to east atlanta So that's all the questions that we have for this week. Thank you so much all for participating in this social experiment with me. It's been nothing but fun, nothing but self-confrontation. These are not questions that I've been thinking about in the span of 20 minutes. These are questions that I will be thinking about for at least the next week until I get more questions and probably beyond that. And I hope that you will too. Because um, like I've said to many people who have asked me about this podcast, I really hope that it can be a collective self-reflection for us to think about the state of things and the state of culture and the state of ourselves, to think about who we are and where we've been and where we want to go and where we're actually realistically going to go. And so I hope that we can do that together. I have nothing but love if you've made it this far in the podcast, and I hope that you will tune in next week for more questions, more conundrums, more life. I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. She said, you can't know what I've done You can't go where I'm from Your lips can lie, but your eyes can't hide You're too young, you're too young So true I just wish you knew I'd be all yours If my mind didn't wander I've got scars For my life before you Please don't think I'm insecure Just can't trust no one